Amen. Who's ever had a pair of these? Anybody? Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest now, Richard. Richard, who's had a pair of these? Just me? No. Come on. We've all had them. A set of beer goggles. You know what you need with beer goggles? You need a beer blanket. I'm, I'm getting at the street past them, more, don't I? Beer goggles. What are beer goggles? Well, they make you see the world different, don't they? <laughs> now you're with us, aren't you? Yeah. They make you think that your husband's a lot prettier than he really is. <laughs> uh, your children are a lot brighter than they really are. <laughs> I better be careful. Uh, uh, why is that? Why? Because we've, we've taken something in that has affected our perception of the reality around us. Come on, follow me. Something internal is affecting the reality that is around us, or our perception of that reality. Yeah? Wow. I'd love to leave these on, but I cannot say out there. <laughs> With that in mind, I'm speaking today on John 10, and my text for today is that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you'll have life. That's my text for today. But actually, Jesus in John 10, in, in, in verse 6, he says this. He says, it's, I'm, I'm speaking in picture form. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically almost. I'm, I'm, I'm using an illustration of the day of shepherds and sheep that the people will understand. But the people in the beer 2,000 years later might have trouble. Because none of us are shepherds. I hope he's on anyway. I'm not a shepherd. So, to fully grasp John 10, we need to understand a little of the culture of the day. Because a lot of it is lost on us. It's lost. It just is. So, instead of reading John 10, the first 20 verses, we're going to watch John 10, the first 20 verses. I'm not sure how accurate this will be but it'll be better than me reading it anyway. So we're just going to show that now, and this is what I'm preaching on today. If we could have it loud, that would be good. Or even some volume would be good. <laughs> Quiet's the opposite of loud. There we go. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep hear his voice as he calls his own sheep by name. And he leads them out. When he has brought them out, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow someone else. Instead, they will run away from such a person because they do not know his voice. Jesus told them this parable, but they did not understand what he meant. So Jesus said again, I am telling you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All others who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Those who are coming by me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. 
I have come in order that you might have life. Life in all its fullness. I am the good shepherd who was willing to die for the sheep. When a hired man who is not a shepherd does not own the sheep, sees a wolf coming. He leaves the sheep and runs away. So the wolf snatches the sheep and scatters them. The hired man runs away because he is only a hired man and does not care about the sheep. I am a good shepherd. As the Father knows me, and I know the Father, in the same way I know my sheep, and they know me. And I am willing to die for them. There are other sheep which belong to me. There are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them too. They will listen to my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. The Father loves me, because I am willing to give up my life in all the time I receive it back again. No one takes my life away from me. I give it up of my own free will. I have the right to give it up, and I have the right to take it back. This is what my Father has commanded me to do. Again, there was division among the people because of these words. So John 10 is all about sheep and shepherds. <laughs> and as I said, to fully understand it, the people of the day would have got it. It would have been, I don't know, like us talking about buses. I don't know. It, but they would have got it. It was around them. It was there. And Jesus uses this picture analogy. But I want to talk a little bit. I need to try and just put this in context before going on to our key verse that I want to talk a little bit about. In chapter 8, Jesus was confronted by the religious leaders of the day. Not just confronted, but they wanted to kill him. Who knows, that's a little bit more than being confronted. They wanted to kill him. <laughs> Jesus was not the type of person who'd come for a quiet life. Jesus didn't fit in with the religious leaders and society of, the, of that day. He was countercultural in many respects. And their, their answer was to, well, let's just kill him. <laughs> let's just get rid of him. Now, Jesus didn't really help. <laughs> I mean, his reply to the religious leaders of the day was this. Well, you're of your father, the devil. He's a liar, and he's a killer, and so are you. Not really the kind of thing you want to be saying <laughs> to the people who are supposed to be leading. He says very truly, in John chapter 8, 58, he says this, very truly, he says, I tell you this, before Abraham was born, Abraham is the father of their faith. Before Abraham was born, before the father of your faith was born, I am. Or what he said to them was, before Abraham, I am and I am now God. 
Wow. They picked up stones and they tried to kill him. And it says Jesus slipped away. I like that phrase. He slipped away out of the temple grounds. But then chapter 9 comes, and you would think Jesus would lie low a bit, wouldn't you? <laughs> I've slipped away, I'm going to lie low a bit. But chapter 9 comes, and there outside the temple is a man who'd been blind from birth. Now, again, culturally, everybody would have knew this guy, because day after day, the only way for his survival was to sit outside the temple and beg for money. So here's this guy sitting outside the temple. Jesus, with the religious people wanting his life, who he's just accused of being like the devil, heals the blind man. It's going gonna, it's gonna to cause a bit of controversy. <laughs> Everybody's going to know about it. So he heals the blind man. The religious people again weren't happy. <laughs> again weren't happy. And the Jewish leaders of the day, they even made a declaration that if anybody believed that Jesus was the Messiah, they were to be put out the synagogue. And again, in today's culture, that doesn't really match. But in that day's culture, to be put out the synagogue was a big disgrace. But the blind man came to faith in Christ. It says this, the man said, Lord, I believe you. And then it says, and he worshipped him. Completely against the law of the day that the religious leaders had set. He was physically healed and he was spiritually healed. I was trying to think of what would be worse, being blind and having me life or being able to see yet the religious leader's killing me and losing my life. But this blind man didn't think about that. I'll tell you why. It wasn't because he'd been healed, but it was because he'd met the healer. <laughs> he'd met the healer. You see, when he said, Jesus, I worship you, it wasn't because he'd received a sight. That was a a byproduct of meeting Jesus. It was because he'd met Jesus. The, the thing internally that needed a change in him changed. His spiritual beer goggles had become awakened. He could not only see physically, but he could see spiritually. And Jesus uses this analogy with the, with the religious leaders of the day, because the religious leaders of the day were supposed to be the shepherds of Israel. But they were blind spiritually. Can you see what Jesus was doing here? Can you see the picture that he was painting here? As he was bringing this challenge to the structure and leadership structure of the day across the church. The blind man's sight got clearer and clearer. But the religious people of the day, their sight got darker and darker. Wow. Listen what Jesus said. Jesus said, for judgment, these are his words, not mine, for judgment I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see 
will become blind. You have to get this internally today. This isn't going to be a message. I'm going to give you three Ps and something. You have to listen to what the Holy Spirit's saying today. So Jesus says, I've come for judgment so that, that the blind will see, but the people who see will become blind. So the Pharisees who were there and heard him saying this said, What? Are we blind too? Jesus said, If you were blind, you would not be guilty of sin. But now that you claim you have seen, you can see, your guilt remains. These are strong words from Jesus. Really, really strong words from Jesus. And here, on the back of that, as we roll into chapter 10, Jesus then hmm, begins to use this analogy of sheep and shepherds. Shepherds have their own sheep. Shepherd knows his sheep. He has the right to feed and to lead his own sheep. Indeed, he has the responsibility to do so. At night, they would bring the sheep into the pen, into the fold, and the shepherd would become the gate. Protection was needed at night. But the thief would still have opportunity to climb the wall and to steal and to kill and to destroy. So what's this picture about? I am a gate. Jesus has many I am's in John. He has seven of them. Jesus is not just a shepherd, but he says he's the good shepherd. <laughs> and he's using this picture, this analogy, to try and say to the people, there are many shepherds that are just hired hands. I don't know how these Pharisees felt. I don't know how they didn't get it, but they didn't. But actually, there are many shepherds that are just hired hands. And what, where does it come to the crunch with a hired hand? when he has to do battle for the sheep. But Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. And when it comes to the battle of surrendering my life, and he surrendered it, no one took it. I'm a good shepherd. And I'm going to lay it down for the sheep. Now you have to try and imagine yourself as a sheep here, don't you? But that's what he said. He says, I'm going to lay it down for the sheep. He's not just any shepherd. He's a good shepherd. Amos 3 and 12 says this. It says, this is what the Lord says. As a shepherd rescues from the lion's mouth only two legs or a piece of ear. King David in, in Samuel 17 knew what it was to wrestle lions and bears as a shepherd was a challenging job if you cared for the sheep. But if you don't care for the sheep, when the wolf comes, you just go the other way and you leave the sheep. I don't know if any of you have been robbed. I don't know if you've ever had anything stolen from you. I don't know what that feels like. But I believe it, sometimes as Christians, we become very passive about the things that the enemy has stolen from us. We almost become, we almost become, well, 
what can I do about it? <laughs> the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life. We should be the happiest people on earth. We should have the most abundant, overflowing, prosperous life of all the people because the good shepherd gives his life for it. We should be living in it. It should be our internal reality. It should be our beer goggles that says that we see life very different from the world. Now listen, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about your circumstances here. I'm talking about life in abundance irregardless of your circumstance. But our circumstances can be the thing that would rob us of the abundant life. Why? Because we, they become our focus. And rightly so. Some of our circumstances are not easy. I'm not pretending they are. But what I'm saying is, if we want the key to abundant life, it's not found in staring at our circumstances, but staring at the Good Shepherd who give His life for the sheep. It's not found in the struggle that is right in front of your eyes. Who, who were? What was the thief? What, what, what was it? Who? In this context, in this context, the thief was the religious people of the day. In this context, but actually, let me tell you this, the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy is anything that would take you outside of the earshot of the shepherd. Come on. Anything that would distract you from his voice is looking for stealing and killing and destroying that what you have. What does abundant look like, a life look like? First, it's bigger than our circumstances. What does abundant look like? It looks like staying in earshot of your shepherd. Listen, we all know these verses very well. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Hello? The Lord is my shepherd when you understand that, when you know the shepherd's voice, when you're following his direction and his path, you lack nothing. Yeah. Oh, but you don't know what's happening. The Bible says, when you understand the shepherd's voice and follow him, you lack nothing. Listen, he makes you lie down in green pastures. We lost this. The culture of the day was a hot country. Ask anybody who's lived in a hot country. Green pastures don't normally happen. You have to look for them. But he says, I'll lead you to lie down in green pastures. I'll lead you beside quiet water. Water, hot country. Hello, it's a blessing. I'll lead you beside quiet waters. He says, I'll refresh your soul. 
He says, I'll guide you along the right paths for me namesake. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Even though you walk through dark valleys, you will fear no evil. I lack nothing because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. Can I suggest that that would be a declaration of your own voice today? I've missed the number 38 bus. The Lord is my shepherd. I know I'm trivializing it because I know there's some big issues around. However big the issue, the truth remains. Stay within earshot of the shepherd. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Wow. I'm into abundant life this side of eternal life. I don't know about you, but I am. I believe we can have it. I believe we can have it now. Listen, maybe abundant life looks like some of our young people coming back from unity, university filled with the Spirit just like they left. Hello. Of our young people from the churches are going away to university and not coming back. Have a look around. (laughs) See what's happening across the churches. Maybe if we begin to speak about abundant life and what that looks like and staying close to the shepherd, maybe they begin to come back more filled of the Spirit than when they left. Maybe some of us middle-aged people stop becoming apathetic because we've heard it all before. Oh, yeah. Heard this before, John 10. Yeah. Jesus, me shepherd, yeah. Heard it all before. But actually, maybe there's some revelation in this today that you just need to get hold of that changes your external perspective about God being your shepherd. Hello. Maybe some of us older people who've thought, well, I've done my bit. I need to hand over now. Just waiting of glory. Oxygen thieves. (laughs) That wasn't right, was it? Never mind. Sorry. I got carried away there. Do you understand what I'm saying though? You see, while there's breath in your body, the Lord wants to speak to you. (laughs) He wants you to hear what He's saying. You're not too young, you're not too old, you're not too in between. Come on. Come on. He's not going to go, I'm not speaking to them because they're 96. He's going to go, look what I invested in them. I need to speak to them more. They've got a lot of wisdom. We need, we need mums and we need dads. <sighs> Maybe that's what abundant life looks like. Maybe abundant life, listen, is that we're more concerned about the message than the method. Maybe the message becomes more than the method we use to deliver it. 
Maybe abundant life is when you're about to get your head cut off. You still believe in Jesus. It's some tough times, isn't it? John, John the Baptist, can you remember him? He was a great guy. He met Jesus when he was still in his mother's womb. Still in his mother's womb, and him and Jesus met. And then he met Jesus and he went, Behold the Lamb of God! Wow! He says to Jesus, You must baptize me. John knew who Jesus was, yet when he was in his cell, and the circumstances were that he was going to get his head cut off, he said to two of his pals, can you just go and make sure that Jesus is Jesus? How could he be so sure, yet at this stage be a little unsure? I'll tell you why. Because if I was going to get my head cut off, <laughs> it may take some focus and it may stop me listening maybe I'll become a little bit blind and a little bit deaf to what the shepherd is saying it's what happened with John though Jesus received John's two friends and he says he turned to them with kind tears glistening in his eyes he said tell John tell John, what you have seen and heard. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. The leopards are cleansed. The deaf can hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have heard the gospel preached to them. What would that have done to John? He would have recognized instantly the prophecies from Isaiah. And he would have went, yeah. Off with my head. He's the one. He's the one. I'm coming into land, but I want to I just have a little moan, if I'm here. <laughs> 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 3 says this, In the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead. <sighs> In view of His appearing and His kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage. With great patience, be careful, give careful instruction. Here's the verse. And I believe we're in this time. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itchy ears want to hear. Maybe abundant life is standing on the Word of God and being unpopular with the world around us. Not choosing to compromise because it's PC. <laughs> Not being politically correct. Mm -hmm. 
but maybe believing that the Word of God is the Word of God, irregardless of what society it's preached in. I'm not saying we shouldn't love people. I'm not saying we shouldn't accept people. I'm saying maybe we're in danger of beginning to preach a gospel that tickles our ears rather than satisfies our conscience. We have a good shepherd who wants to offer abundant life. <laughs> oh, forgive me for this, but I've just, I know, I know, I already know because I've got grandkids that when they go to school now and they have sports days, they have participation medals. Help me, God. Nobody's a winner. Everybody took part. Maybe the time's coming and it's not far when you just turn up for a job interview and they have to give you the job. <laughs> just because you turned up. <laughs> so politically incorrect not to give you because you've turned up. Then everybody just gets the job. That's me rant over. I've just, I needed to get that out. What about if church began to offer abundant life, full, 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 abundant life? Not a book of don'ts, 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 but a book of full, 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 abundant life. Sometimes to me it feels like the church needs to get off life support. We're not about just existing. We're about offering abundant life. Abundant life. Abundant life. Why? Because we have a good shepherd. We have a good shepherd. Let's live out of the abundant life that Jesus died for. Let's live in earshot of the good shepherd. Let's not settle for being politically correct over the Word of God. And let's enjoy the rest. Because the Lord is my shepherd and I lack nothing. And He leads me to lie down in green pastures. And He leads me beside quiet waters. And He refreshes my soul. Do you not want a bit of that? Come on. It's available. He refreshes my soul. Wow. And even though whatever you're going through this morning, listen to me, I don't belittle that. I stand alongside you in this. I really do. But listen, the enemy is looking for ways to steal from you. And one of the ways he does it is he gets us to focus on our circumstances over the voice of the shepherd. God, you've left me. Have any of you said that before? God, where are you? We can be honest. That's all right. The Psalms are full of that. How long? Why? They're full of it. I'm not saying we can't be real with God. But what I'm saying is this. God wants to speak into every aspect of our lives. Every circumstance. 
every time when, when things are not good, but when things are good as well. We should be living an abundant and overflowing uh, a life beyond just surviving. I tell you why. Because the world are looking for something. And God says, I've chosen my people to demonstrate my kingdom. They should be looking at us and going, what on earth's going on there? Are they on drugs? Amen. <laughs> yeah, we need to be on drugs. So, I'm going to hand over to our friend in a minute. I just want to read one more scripture. This is a scripture of warning. This is a scripture of correction. This is a scripture that could see you in trouble. Is me here, all right? Here we go. It's a scripture from the Old Testament. And it's about a prophet named Elijah. And it says, Elijah went up from Bethel, and while he was going on the way, some boys came out of the city and jeered at him. Go up, you bald head. Go up, you bald head. Get it? Did you get it? So, he turned around and saw... This is in the Bible, by the way. I haven't made this up. He turned around and saw them, and he cursed them in the name of the Lord. Yeah, he's all quiet now, aren't you? All you hairy people. All you hairy people are quiet, and all you bald people are like, come on, Alan, preach it. Ha, ah, look what happened. Nice little thing. Two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of them apart. <laughs> Second Kings 2, 23. That's got nothing to do with what I'm preaching on. But it comes as a warning. <laughs> to those of you who might think us follically challenged people haven't got a heart. Well, we have. Not just have we got a heart, but we've got a God who commands bears. Ah, somebody said to me last night, Alan, there's no bears around here. I said, yeah, but there's a 308 bus. <laughs> and especially if Steve's driving it, we're in trouble. Bless you guys. Bad you. <laughs> 